Well, this morning, we are going to continue in the book of Acts. We're Acts chapter 27, which is towards the end of the book. After this, we have one more chapter. And uh, where we left off a couple weeks ago when we were in Acts 26, we talked about how we shouldn't be a spy. As a Christian, our job isn't to blend in with the world as best we can so that the people around us don't know that we're a Christian. Instead, we're supposed to stand out. And when Paul was giving his testimony in front of King Agrippa, that's what he said. He said, I didn't do these things in a corner. I wasn't ashamed of the gospel of Christ. In fact, I did everything openly and publicly. In fact, if you want to search it out, there is a load of evidence of what I did and what I taught. I did nothing in secret. And that really challenged me to, to live my life because how many of us, how many of you, when you go out into the world and you're in mixed company and you know you're not with Christians, you're at least tempted to blend in. And you don't want to just go out and say, hey, I believe in Jesus. Anybody struggle with that? I, I know I do. You know, here I am a pastor, and yet that is something that I struggle with. Sometimes I, I am in a group, and oh, please don't ask me what I do. Please don't ask me what I do. Because if they do, then what? Oh, man, now I got to talk about it. And I shouldn't be like that. None of us should be like that, but that can be... That can be our tendency. And even at the end of chapter 26, King Agrippa says what? This man could have been let go, except what? Except he appealed to Caesar. And because of that, Paul now gets sent to Rome. And we're talking about that today. We're talking about a storm that Paul goes through. Have you ever been in a storm? Do you enjoy being in a storm? I enjoy watching storms from a distance. Uh, something I used to do as a kid is I would sit outside and you could see the storm miles away, a lightning storm. It was just beautiful, right? Because it was, it was there. But then there were times when I was living in it, and it's scary sometimes. Uh, now today, while we are talking about a physical storm, I think a lot of us can relate because maybe some of us have gone through spiritual storms. Have you ever gone through a portion of your life that it just seemed like everything was crashing down on you? You look up and you look for a, a, a speck of light. You, you look for some hope, but it's just all darkness. You know, today, as we're, as we're working through the storm that Paul was in, maybe we can relate some of the stuff with this storm into storms in our life, to where we have gone through this darkness and, and lose hope even. And that's what we're really focusing on today is, is never lose hope. Have you ever lost hope in your life? You ever been in a situation where all hope was lost? There was no way out, no way through. It was just certain doom. Well, that's what people are going through today. So before we get into Acts 27, 
Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Lord, we come before you this morning, and we just thank you, Lord, again for your love for us. Lord, and as, as we talk about hope and hopelessness this morning, Lord, I know that there have been times in my life where it seems like all hope is lost. But Lord, we as believers, we as Christians, we have hope, and we should never lose it. Lord, I pray that you would be with me this morning. Please guide and direct my words, my thoughts, my actions. Lord, that they would bring glory and honor to you. Lord, I just pray for the congregation, for those who are here, for those who are at home online. Lord, that uh, your words might just uh, penetrate their hearts and their lives would be changed for you, Lord. Please give hope to those who need it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we begin this morning, we're talking about Paul's journey and how the journey begins. Because every journey has a beginning and an ending, does it not? And what better place to start this journey than at the beginning? And the beginning starts with them leaving for Italy. And that's what they do, right? They leave for Italy. Sounds, right? If you've heard of Italy, right? Has anyone here ever been to Italy? Okay, a couple people have been to Italy, right? few people have been to Italy. Well, this is where Paul is headed, and it's not an easy trip. But let's read about the beginning, about how they leave for Italy, starting with verse 1 of Acts chapter 27. And when it was decided that we should sail for Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. And embarking in a ship of um, Adramidium, which was about to sail to the port along the coast of Asia, we put to sea, accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. The next day we put in at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. And putting out to sea from there, we sailed under the lee of Cyprus, because the winds were against us. And when we had sailed across the open sea along the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra in Lycia. There the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing for Italy and put us on board. We sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with difficulty off Sinaitis. As, um, and as the wind did not allow us to go farther, we sailed under the lee of Crete off Salmon. Coasting along it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near which was the city of Lycia. All right, so they leave for Italy. They get on a boat. They stop at a port. And what does the centurion allow Paul to do? To go ashore and be with friends, to be with other Christians. Now, that's weird, wouldn't you say? Why would, why would a centurion let a prisoner go and have a good time with his friends. My thinking, my theory is that Paul, while yes, Paul was a prisoner, was Paul guilty of any crimes? No, and as we had just read in in chapter 26, in fact, Paul could have gone free if he had chose, but because he wanted to see Caesar, he wanted to go to, to Rome, he was not what I would call a flight risk. 
He may have had a soldier just go and keep tabs on him. But Paul experienced freedom that maybe his, his fellow prisoners did not, did not experience, did not have. And when it talks about there, you know, the Lee of Crete or Lee of, of Cyprus, do you know what that means, the Lee of? It actually means protection of. Because what is going on at this point is there are some strong winds. And when you have a boat that's run by sails, right, not a motorboat, is wind important? It is important. And it's better when the wind is, is at your back, but sometimes it's not. And here they're, they're struggling. And so when the wind is, is blowing in a direction that is not favorable, you kind of try to sail so that, the wind, so that the land blocks some of the wind. And so that's what that means. They, they were traveling along the coast doing the best they can so that the, the land would protect them from, from the wind. And so they're here, right? They're here in this port, and now they have a decision to make, whether to, to carry on, right, with the wind, or whether to stay there. And this is where we read that Paul gives a warning. He tells them what's going to happen. Verses 9 and 10. It says, Since much time had passed, and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. And so what's happening here is Paul is just giving advice. This isn't, I don't believe, I don't believe that this is a word from the Lord. This is just Paul just using wisdom and saying, hey, it's late in the season. And because we know the fast had already taken place, we know that this would have been maybe mid-October, which there are certain seasons in certain areas of the country that you do not travel at certain times of the year, right? Um, Florida, right? They have hurricane season. Is that a great time to make plans, travel plans during hurricane season? And there's just different seasons that you just know right in wintertime. Do you travel the, uh, the Rocky Mountains? Do you make plans to go to the Rocky Mountains? No. There's actually, in, in fact, and I just traveled it a, actually four times in the past month because of, of where my family lives. There's a section there. It's not long. It's maybe two, maybe three miles length at most. But it's a section of one uh, of Interstate 80 that during the wintertime, you don't make plans to travel because at any moment, a storm can come. And a lot of times you need snow tires or chains to get across this, this short section of I-80. And sometimes you can't even do that. Sometimes it's so bad. So you, you don't plan a cross-country trip on Interstate 80 in the wintertime. Once you hit yeah, late October, November, you're, you're taking a chance is what you're doing. And so Paul knows this because with ships, too, as they're docking at several places, it takes time. You know, there's no machines. It takes manpower to unload the ship and, and load it back up. And so here they are in fair havens. Winter's coming. Bad weather's coming. And Paul says, don't do it. Stay here. However, the people in charge they decide to take a chance. They decide to take a chance. Let's read verses 11 and 12. 
It says, but the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. And because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, right? Not Arizona. Facing both southwest and northwest and spend the winter there. Okay, so what was the dilemma here? The ship, they were in a harbor, but it wasn't suited for winter. So, yeah, they could stay there, but chances are the ship would be destroyed. Now, as a, as a, a captain or as the owner of the ship, would you want your ship destroyed? As a businessman, right, would you want your machinery to be destroyed? Or would you take maybe the risk in getting it to someplace safe? So you can see from a, from a business standpoint, they knew, right, if we stay here, chances are we're going to lose everything. If we go forward, we might have a chance. But how many times, and I'm, I'm speaking to us men, when we're given advice, don't do it, it's going to end out bad. And yet we say, you know what, we're going to do it anyway. How, how many men have not taken good advice and decided to do their own thing because maybe we knew better? I'm going to raise my hand because I've done that. People have given me good advice. And the thing is, I know it's good advice. But you know what? I'm stubborn, and I'm going to do it my way. And guess what happens? Well, we're going to find out what happens when, when the centurion, right? They decide to do things their own way. It ends up pretty much like the way that I decided to do it when, when I do it my way. But let's read it then, how the ship stalls. And that why does the ship stall? Well, it gets stuck in a storm. And it's bad enough being on, on dry ground during the storm. But can you imagine being on the water during a storm? How many of you have actually been in a boat during a storm? Have any of you? Oh, how was it? Was it fun? No, it wasn't fun. We actually have somebody who was, wow, maybe I should have you come up here and, and no, you don't want to come up here and explain how it was. But let's read, let's read a little bit about this storm, starting with verse 13. Right. Um, now, when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete, close to the shore. All right. Okay. Here's our chance. It's either it's either now or never. But soon, <laughs> a tempestuous wind, called the northeaster, struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind. We gave way to it and were driven along. Running under the lee of a small island called um, Cauda, we managed with difficulty to, to secure the ship's boat, which we would call it a dinghy. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then fearing that they would run aground in the surtis, they lowered the gear, and thus they were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Okay, here it is. It's a good wind. Let's go. They go, and then what happens? This wind comes, and they call it a northeaster. Now, I don't, I, 
And I forgot to ask, but I don't think we do. Do we worry about a nor'easter in this area here a little bit? We do. Okay. Because I know in the Leah Valley, you hear the words nor'easter, and what happens? People panic. And you get to the grocery store now, because if you wait five minutes, there won't be anything on the shelves to buy. And when a nor'easter comes, yeah, everybody's in panic mode, right? We stock up. We, we make sure if, if we have a, a generator, right, we make sure we have fuel or whatever we have for that because you never know. And it can be bad. And when it happens in the wintertime, you don't just get a few inches of snow, do you? No, you get feet of snow. Now, this would have been different, I think, a little bit different, but we can, we can relate. A bad storm is coming, during a northeaster, like, like here, the last place you want to be is on the boat in, in water. And it goes on, and they start throwing things out. They throw out their gear. Now, when it says tackle, again, that word could be used, again, for gear. But they're throwing things over ship just to make their boat lighter, less likely to sink, right? They, they bring up their, their dinghy, and they do that so they can wrap cables around the boat because their boats, are they made of steel or wood? Wood, right? And so they wrap it up to strengthen it, to, to give it a, a girdle, right, to hold things together. Because if you're on a boat in a storm, the last thing you want is for your boat to do what? Explode, right? If your boat falls apart, yeah, that's not what you want. So three days... They're in for three days. Um, let me read verse 19 again, right? And the third day, right, they threw the ship's tackle overboard and with their own hands. Now, how would you be, how would you feel if you were in that situation? You're tossed around for three days. You're throwing everything overboard. Do you think you would lose hope? That's what they did, right? They lost all Hope. Verse 20 says this. It says, When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. For many days. We're going to find out that this many days ends up being two weeks. 14 days being on a ship, no sunlight. No stars at night being bounced around for 14 days. Is that a storm? Is that a boat ride you want to take? No. Some of us, just a roller coaster, that last 90 seconds is too much for us. And yet imagine being on a roller coaster, loop-to-loops and all, for two full weeks. Now, let's take a break there, for instance, or for, for a second, and kind of relate to storms in our lives. Have you ever gone through a storm in your life where it was just darkness? Maybe you were going through some health issues, just one health issue, one after another after another. Doesn't seem like it's ever going to let up. Maybe it's a financial storm. Time after time, you're just making ends meet, right? Barely. And then your car breaks down or your water heater goes or what have you. You have a surprise bill. Maybe your health, again, you have an unexpected medical expense. 
and you've been there and you're just like, oh. maybe it's relationships. Maybe you're in a relationship that just doesn't get any better and, and you just feel like there's no way out. Now, again, only one or two of us have been in a literal storm on sea. But I think most of us can relate to, having, to being in a storm in life. How many of you have ever felt hopeless at one time or another? You look around and you're just stuck. You're in a dark tunnel and there's no light at the end of the tunnel. That's where these guys were. There was no hope. All hope was lost. They were expecting to die. But who was on that boat with them? Paul. And what does Paul do? He gives, he offers encouragement. Man, offers encouragement. Let's read about that, verse 21. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. He offers encouragement. And how does he start it off with? I was right. I told you so. Now, this is where it's hard Because I know if I was Paul, and if I give advice to somebody, and they didn't follow it, and they failed, I would definitely be like, I told you so. Nah, 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 nah. Right? Anybody else here might come across that? Yeah, I, I definitely. I don't know if Paul was like me. We know Paul was a sinner. We know he wasn't perfect. But maybe he didn't come across as as I would or many of us would, maybe he came across with, hey, guys, listen. Remember I told you that this would happen? And it is. But don't worry. Okay? Yes, we're going to lose cargo, but nobody's going to lose their life. Maybe he did it in an encouraging way. Can you correct somebody in, in an encouraging way instead of going, nah, 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 nah? We can, but is it harder <laughs> it is, isn't it? Because our tendency is, is to be proud, to be prideful, and be like, ha, I was right, you are wrong. I don't know if Paul was like that. So we can't just say he was. But I could see Paul saying, hey, guys, listen up. We're going to be okay. You know why? Because my God, whom I serve, sent an angel and told me that I need to go to Italy. I'm going to get there, and all of you are going to be saved as well. In that moment, you're these sailors. Paul speaks up, and he gives those words of encouragement. How do you respond? 
Man, you know what? You were right before. Maybe, maybe he's right again. Maybe you're like, no, it's too dark. And maybe you've been in that place where you've been, you're, you're so hopeless that when somebody comes to encourage you, no. Yeah, you were right before, but you're not going to be right this time. Maybe you're just all doom and gloom. But he offers encouragement. And we know, right, from the next passage, the, the next set of verses, that not everybody believed him. Because there is a group that try to escape. There is a group that doesn't believe Paul, and they try to leave. Let's, let's read about them, starting with verse 27. So when the 14th night had come, as we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea, about midnight the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. So they took a sounding and found 20 fathoms. A little farther on, they took a sounding again and found 15 fathoms. And fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors right, were seeking to escape from the ship and had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay on the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go. All right, do you see what happens here? They're in this boat. It's dark. They can't, they can't see anything, and yet they have a sense that they're nearing land. How, how do you think they could tell that they were nearing land during a storm? They couldn't see, but could they hear? Have you been to the ocean, been on the beach, and you can hear the waves, but have you ever been near rocks? Does it sound different? Yeah, and... and so these sailors, they're hearing, hey, this is new, we're approaching land. So what do they do? They let out some, some rope to see, to measure how far they are from, from ground. 20 fathoms. That's about 40 yards. They do it again. 30 yards. They're getting close. So they let out anchors to the front of the boat towards the sound to land so that, right, they're praying for daylight, so that when they can see the ship is pointing the right direction, they can, they can weigh anchor and head in the direction. But what do the sailors do after that? They let that down the, the dinghy, right, the boat, and they say, hey, we're going to set some other anchors on the backside, so don't worry about us. But that wasn't the plan. That is not something that you do. And Paul tells the centurions, like, hey, these guys are trying to jump ship. If they leave, we're going to perish. Maybe they needed the experience of the crew to get them safely to shore. Well, they, obviously they don't get safely because they need to crash. But you, know, you need somebody to steer the ship. And if you don't have the crewmen, all is lost. And so what do the soldiers do? They cut the ropes, right? The lifeboat, gone. Now you guys are stuck with us. And that's what they do. But isn't that what we do sometimes too? God gives us hope. He tells us, hey, everything's going to be okay. And yet what do we do? Nope, God, I don't trust you. I'm going to take matters into my own hands. We look at these seamen, these crewmen, and 
we can say, wow, their lack of faith, how dare they? But how many times, if we were in that position, we know that that land is coming, we jump ship, right? Well, that's what they tried to do. And then Paul encourages them again, and he says, eat some food. Eat some food. Anybody here need to be reminded to eat at all? Sometimes we do, and let's, let's read about that. Let's read about that, starting with verse 33. As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, today is the 14th day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength, for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread And giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Then they all were encouraged and ate some food themselves. We were in all 276 persons in the ship. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing, excuse me, throwing out the wheat into the sea. So think about that. How many of you have, you've been on boats, have you ever been seasick? How many of you have just been sick? And you just don't feel like eating. These men being tossed around on a boat for two weeks, would you be hungry? No, your body's like, yeah, I need to eat. But you're not focused on that. And Paul's like, guys, you need to eat. So they do. And it's interesting here that Paul, what does Paul do? He, he breaks bread. Now, some people think that, this was, that he was having communion, with the men, and that I, I don't see that because he just broke bread. But what does he do? Which is something that we as believers, we as Christians do, right? We give thanks to God for our food. And he did that in mixed company because not everybody on the ship was a, was a Christian. So it's okay for us as Christians to pray, especially thank God for food in front of, in front of non-believers. And Paul did it boldly. Hey, thank you, God, for this food. Thank you for providing for us. And after they ate, after they were strengthened, then they threw the rest of the food, right? The rest of the wheat overboard into the sea. Man, now it's either all or nothing, right? They're getting to the end, the end of the, of the storm. But here is where the hope surfaces, right? For now, they're not seeing much hope. Yeah, they're, they're hearing land at least. And now they've eaten. But the hope surfaces, and Paul tells them to swim for shore, swim for shore. So uh, we're going to go from 38, or 39, I'm sorry, to just the first part of 44. Now, when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off all the anchors and left them in the sea at the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders. Then, hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. Right? They're making, they're, they're making a run for it. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow struck, or stuck, um, the bow stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldier's plan, right, was to kill the prisoners, lest any should, should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. 
He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land, and the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship. All right, so here's what's going on. There's some daylight. They can see some land. They don't know where they are, but they see a beach. They see a harbor. Hey, let's run ground there. So they do. They, They cut the anchors away. They just leave it at this point, right? They don't want the added weight. They cut it. They, they untie the ropes that are covering the rudder. They set the sail, and they, and they try to go. But what happens? They go, and they get stuck. You ever been stuck? You ever gotten your vehicle stuck? It's frustrating sometimes, right, when you get your vehicle stuck in, in snow. They can't go anywhere. The ship's falling apart. Well, as Roman soldiers, if there is a risk of your prisoners escaping, what do you do? You kill the prisoners. Because if a prisoner escapes, what happens to you as a soldier? You die. You get killed. Right? So it makes sense as a soldier to kill your prisoners. But the centurion said, no, because he liked Paul. Don't do it. And I, I think that makes sense in some ways because you're at sea for, for two weeks, right? Then you've got to swim to shore. How much energy really are you going to have to run away after that? Probably not a whole lot. So, anyways, he says, don't. And then he says, right, those who can swim, jump out first, swim to shore. And then this, ex, this, this other phrase that he, that he tells afterwards is a little different. Because it could mean, right, grab onto planks, grab on something to, to float, and make your way to the beach. That phrase there in the Greek could also mean grab onto somebody who can swim and let them carry you. So not every, maybe not everybody just, who couldn't swim grabbed a plank and made for sure. Maybe they actually rode on the back of somebody who could swim and swam to shore, right? But they all jumped out of the boat. They all got out of the boat. I mean, how desperate would you need to be in order to jump out of a boat? Yeah, I mean, scary, scary things. But then we read here in conclusion, right, that all are saved. Last half of 44. And so it was that all were brought safely to land. Does God keep his promises? We know that, right? We as believers, we know that God always keeps his promises. However, how many of us still doubt it from time to time? How many of us are in the midst, in the midst of a storm, we doubt God? We say, you know what? He's not going to get me out of this. This is it. We see here that Paul and these men, 275 other men besides Paul, went through this storm, and many of them had no hope. This is it. We're done for. But God told Paul, I have a plan for you. You're going to do it. And I'm going to save other people in the boat with you. We as believers should never lose hope. No matter what you're going through, God will help you. Especially if he has a plan for you. And as long as you are here on this earth, guess what? God has a plan for you. He's not done with you yet. When he's done with you, you'll know. 
and so will the people around you. Never lose hope, no matter what situation you're in, no matter what you're going through. You are not alone, because God says, right, I will never leave you or forsake you. God is with you to the end. Let's pray.